This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And I just call this Jesus in John. And the title of today's message is What Matters. And we look at John chapter 1, really verses 35 and following, but let's build up to that. In the early part of um, John chapter 1, there's some deep, deep stuff. You look at John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. That's deep stuff, folks. Who is the Word? Well, the Word is the Son of God Himself, Jesus Christ. And why is He called the Word in the Word of God? Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because He spoke the creation into being. If you look at verse 3, Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. And secondly, we call him the word because he declares the Father. He reveals, he declares in the sense of reveals the Father. And this is tremendous because when you look at the word of God and you see Jesus, you're seeing the Father in heaven. He's the word, the living word. He declares, he's God in the flesh. He declares or reveals the Father in heaven. And then it says, Jesus, the Son of God, John 1, 1, was with the Father at creation, but he was with the Father for all eternity. I mean, that, that's a thought my mind can't comprehend. I mean, John gets to the whole point of his gospel. Jesus, the Son of God, is God, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He is the uncreated God, and, and I just have a hard time with uncreation. I say everything has to have a beginning. But Jesus Christ is the uncreated God. He's eternal, without beginning, without end. And, and, and today, lots of people want to say, oh, Jesus is just a prophet, you know, like Muhammad or Buddha. He's, he's one path to heaven. You have to reject that. He is the God-man, true God and true man in the same person at the same time. Jesus is true God and true man in the same person at the same time. Unless you believe that, there is no heaven, folks. Listen to what Jesus said to the Pharisees, John 8, 24. Unless you believe that I am he, unless you believe that I'm the one I claim to be, you're going to die in your sins. If you just say he's a great man, a great prophet, a great teacher, you're going to die in your sins. Jesus is the word. Uncreated with the Father, eternally. Verse 14, John 1. The word became flesh. See that? The Son of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. There's times when I'll say something and it's misunderstood. You do the same thing. And your heart was right. You didn't mean it to come out that way, but people misunderstand you. Well, think about the Lord. Everything he want, everything Jesus said came out the way he wanted it to come out. But he was misunderstood. He was talked about. 
like you get talked about. He was plotted against, crucified. And he, see, he made his dwelling among us. And he knows what it's like to be misunderstood. See, how many other, what I'm pointing at, what I'm getting to is this, how many other world religions have a God who's sovereign in the heavens, who spoke and created everything, and then donned a human body and came to this earth and relates to everything you're going through. And you know, and you know what? God called you to be a believer in Jesus Christ. He called you to be a Christian. You're not a Hindu. You're not Islamic. You're not a Buddhist. You're a Christian. He is your God. The God who left his heaven came to this earth. That's your God. That's who you serve. Did you ever say, thank you, God, that you just made me a believer in Jesus Christ? And maybe you're here today and you're not a believer yet, but you're hearing this and you're the truth and you're going to hear he's the only way to heaven and you can come to him today. So God himself, the Son of God, lived among us. And John the Baptist is the guy who prepared his way. See, John the Baptist is a prophet. He's God's voice to the people. For 400 years, there was no voice of a prophet between the Old and the New Testament. Along comes John, proclaiming the Messiah is here. And John offers people something they haven't had in hundreds of years, centuries. He offers these folks hope. And if somebody's going to preach to you and offer you hope, what's going to happen? You're going to flock to that guy. And they flocked to John. People just flocked to John. He was the most popular thing going. And here's what lights my fire. He could have had all this acclaim for himself. John 1, 29. The next, day Jesus saw, uh, the next day John, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look or behold, the Lamb of God. He pointed to Jesus and he said, behold, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All that acclaim, all those accolades. And John said, it's not about me, it's about him. Listen, folks, don't ever get caught up in a preacher or teacher. Or David Jeremiah or people like that, Charles Stanley, Beth Moore, see, it's our job to say, behold, the Lamb of God, to point to him and say, he's great. Not me, not us. We're not great. He's great. That's our job. So always look to him. Don't get hung up on a person. And, 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 and John, see, John the Baptist had disciples. He had guys who followed him. And one of them we're going to see in the Word of God today was John. John never mentions his name, his own name. In the gospel. Another was Simon, it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And these two disciples, oh, let me read it for it to you. This is John 2, now John 1, verse 35. The next day John was there again with two of his followers, two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look again, the Lamb of God. Now, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And they turned away from John. And they followed Jesus. I mean, that's very important. Now, this is a key verse, 38. This is what the message is about today. Turning around, Jesus saw them follow and asked, what do you want? Oh, man, is that key. He didn't say, who do you want? Not the person. He said, this is really the big deal here. What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, verse 38. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they stayed with Jesus, and they spent the day with him. What did he say? What a day. John never forgot it. He never identifies himself by name, but it says, he says, he says and it was the 10th hour. So, so, so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, and it was about the 10th hour. That was impacting the John. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the 10th hour. 
Hey, when you receive Jesus Christ, man, I'll tell you if, you, if you remember the day, man, you remember that day. That was an impacting moment for John, see? Now look at this. This is so key too, verse 40. Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, and he followed Jesus. Well, you look at 41. The first, the first thing Andrew did, he was so, excuse me, he said, man, I, I, I found this guy, the Messiah. He said, I got to tell my brother. He couldn't hold it inside him. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And then that key verse, verse 42, and we'll talk about this, he brought him to Jesus. He's saying, Simon, I found him. Genesis 3.15, the one who's going to crush the head of Satan. I found him. I found the head crusher. How did Simon react to that? Isaiah, Isaiah 7.14, behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name what? Emmanuel, God with us. He's here. God's with us. Simon, I found him. This is neat too. Got to think about this. Andrew didn't go to six other people. He went to his brother. Where does witness begin, folks? In your family. Witness begins in your family. He brought him to Jesus. He didn't try and convert him. Just get him in the presence of God's word. Give him Jesus. God's got to do the rest. We'll talk about that. So let's bring this word of God down home. The big deal in this word of God is the, is the word what? In verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? It wasn't who are you seeking, it's what are you seeking. Everybody is seeking that elusive what. You know, I say this in wedding messages. How many people have told me over the years, you know, I got a great marriage, got a really great marriage, but... There's just that little something missing. If I, I just can't put my finger on it. It would, you know, there's that, just, it's a good marriage. But that little something missing isn't there and I can't put my finger on it. It's that elusive what? What are you seeking? And I tell these folks that elusive what is Jesus Christ. Nothing can satisfy you. But Jesus Christ, nothing can fulfill you. Nothing can complete you like Jesus Christ. And so I say to these people, is Jesus Christ in your heart? Is he in your home? Is he in your family? Is he in your life? That's that what. Point being, nothing fulfills, nothing completes, nothing satisfies like Christ himself. Here's the deal in this message. We all have needs that only the Lord himself can satisfy. Nothing else can satisfy it. And a lot of you know Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now listen to this. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. He set eternity in your hearts. You were created with eternity in your heart. And that simply means you were created with the longing for him. Something that people and stuff just, just can't fill. And God said that. He created us with that longing for him. He put eternity in his heart. I didn't write that. God wrote that. Again, nothing can fill your most important needs than Christ himself. Here is a very shallow remark. It's shallow because you don't understand why you were created when people will say to other people, you don't meet my needs. If you ever hear that, just say, in your mind, don't say it to them. Shallow remark. Because you were made that way. You were made. So, 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 so. People or things can't meet your needs, so you seek him. 
Psalm 17, verse 14. Man, I hope you have your Bibles. O Lord, by your hand, save me from such men, from men of this world, whose reward is in this life. David says, God, save me from people whose only reward is in this life. Save me from those people. Don't let those people influence me. Save me, save me, save me, save me from that. Man, you got to pray that God save me from those influences. Now look at verse 15. And I, in righteousness, I will see your face when I awake from death. Now, now what's the name? I will be what? Satisfied. See that? Satisfied with seeing your likeness. You Listen, folks. There is no ultimate satisfaction this side of the grave only christ can meet those deepest needs and jesus finally when i get to heaven your loved ones who have died and gone to heaven man finally they get total and complete satisfaction when i wake when i awake from death baby and i see your face man you're going to wake up from death and you are going to see the face of jesus christ and then you will have true satisfaction and man when you understand that You've grown 10 feet spiritually. You are a spiritual giant when you understand that. And when you can say, God, save me from, from, from people whose, whose only reward is in this life. Listen, don't expect people or things to meet your deepest needs. Only God can do that. So I asked myself, what are our deepest needs? What are they? I didn't look in any book. I just thought about this, and I came up with three. And I'm not going to rank these one, two, or three. But I believe these are our deepest needs as I look at Scripture. And one need is to be connected to people, to have one or two people in your life who care. I think that's a basic human need. You got to think like this. In John chapter 6, we read that God the Father gave his son a love gift. And the love gift was you and me, anyone who had placed their faith in him. We were the love gift that God gave to his son. That's John chapter 6. And Christ died with all those people, his father's gift to him in his heart. You were in his heart when he died on the cross. And if you're a believer or soon to be a believer, you were and are in Jesus' heart. And sometimes, the reason I'm saying that is because not sometimes we, we just need to walk, walk away from things and you feel lonely, you feel isolated, you feel like nobody cares and, and, and ju ju just tell the Lord. Just walk away and say, I feel alone. I feel isolated. Talk to him. Only he can meet those needs. Listen, I'm not going to give you all kind of platitudes and all kind of promises. Just know he hears you. And know you're in his heart. He's in love with you. Just know that. Just believe that. Yeah, I, you know what I believe? I believe Jesus can't wait for you and me to get into heaven. Into his physical presence for eternity. But here's the deal. We have to be Christ to people. There is no way you can fill those deepest needs. There's no way you can. But we have to make an attempt to somehow be Christ to those people. And that's why your memory passage for today is 1 John 4.12. I believe this is so key. 1 John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God. You've never seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And through us, in, through us, his love is made complete. His love is made complete in their lives. I mean, you'll never fill the deepest needs of those folks, man. But his love is demonstrated and made perfect or made complete in us to them. 
I just think about marriage. You know, Cheryl has stuff going on in her life, maybe little stuff, maybe insignificant stuff, but very significant to her or to your husband or your wife. It just may be a gripe. It may be a joy, maybe something that turns her crank. Just a little thing, a dumb thing, diddly thing. And I think about this. Who in the world cares? Now think about this, husbands and wives. Who in the world cares about that dumb little thing that they're concerned about but you or me? And you got to care. And if one person cares, I want to tell you something. That's everything. If it's important to her, it's got to be important to me. You know, you know, that's got to be their way around to it. But, but sometimes, you know what I do? Sometimes I distance myself. But I have my agenda. I don't let her know that those little things are important to me. Listen, listen, folks. All, all most people need is one person who cares. One person, one person, one person. When you talk to people, do this. Keep a little notepad. Go out in your car after you talk to them and write this down. Remember what people are dealing with. And then call them and ask them, how's it going? Show them you care. You see, that's everything. That's everything. Listen, only Christ can fill that need on the deepest level. But we can be something of Christ to those people. Here's another need. John 1:38. Jesus said to Andrew, John, he said to Andrew and John, what? What do you want? What satisfies you? What meets your deepest needs? Another need is security. That's a sermon in itself. Money and stuff doesn't give me in you security. I don't find my security in stuff. And here's where I find my security. Here's where you find your security. He offers real security. And he meets that need for security. This is John. This is John chapter 14. Listen to the heart of God. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. In my father's house, there's many mansions. I like that. If that weren't the case, I would have told you. Now look, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He's talking to believers. There's a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, look at this, I will come back and take you to be with me, that's his heart, that you also may be where I am. That's a promise that will come again. That where I am, you may be also. See, that's where we're headed, folks, and that's real security. And when you believe that in here, that you're on a path to life forever with him, that's your security, see? And then you look at Matthew 6.33, man, you just own that. You embrace that. You make it your own. Matthew 6.33 says this, seek first his kingdom. Are you doing that? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this other stuff is going to be added unto you. Seek that relationship with him. That's where real security is. Your life is moving toward being with him forever. Stuff will never satisfy. Your life is moving toward being with him forever. And you know, we're talking about what satisfies. And I don't say this proudly. I want to say this with humility and with thanksgiving. And I know there's lots of folks like that here this morning. But personally, I get far more real satisfaction out of giving away what God has given to me than holding on to it for security. I get a whole lot more, I said, trusting him. And just giving it away. I mean, on a, of course, you know, on a rational basis, of course. But I, I, I just get, it just satisfies me so much more to give it away to ministries, to people who need it, to charities, to this church. And to experience that satisfaction, you got to do the tough thing. 
and show God that you're not dependent on money and that's not your security. And you gotta start giving it away. And this is not a stewardship sermon, give to the church. That's not what it's about. It's about what's satisfying you because when you start to give that stuff away, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. Because it happens to me. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart, man, and he will confirm in your heart you've done a God-pleasing good thing, and he's going to give you satisfaction over that, see? Security is a deep need. Here's another deep need. The what of John 1.38. Another need you have that only the Lord can meet is the need to know our life counts for something. So many people say that. I want to know my life counts. I want to make a difference, and so on and so forth. And see, this is where only the Lord can meet. This is another need only the Lord can meet. Remember these words. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. That's God. He sees everything. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees everything, folks. He knows everything. This is all goes to the character of God, man. I mean, there's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing he doesn't see. And sometimes we don't make a big splash. Sometimes we don't even make a little ripple in the world. And you wonder, am I making a difference? Does my life, does my life count? But every time you act in obedience... You have choices, and you make a choice to do it God's way. And you do that because you know, number one, he is omnipresent, and he sees you, and he is omniscient, and he knows you, and you are conscious of pleasing the God that you love. And when you make that choice to please God, I don't care. That is the, to God, you got to get a hold of this. That is the biggest thing in the world. You don't have to make a big splash or a ripple or something like that. That is the biggest thing in the world. Every time you choose to make it, to show your love to God by obedience, his heart is thrilled. Your life has meaning and significance. This is the quest for significance in the little obedient things you do. And here's what we can do to meet that need for significance. You could go to people and you could tell them, if you weren't in my life, it wouldn't be the same. Say that to people. That gives them significance. Or notice what people do and tell them how special that was and how special what they did was and how special they are. Listen, we're just about done, but I need to say this about verse 42 of John chapter 1. And he brought him to Jesus. After Andrew and John spent an afternoon with Jesus and he impacted their lives so much, Andrew just couldn't hold it in. And the first person he thought of was his brother. He went to his family And he said, I found the Messiah. And he didn't try and convince him it was the Messiah. He didn't try and convert him. He just brought him to Jesus. And that's the greatest thing you can do for anybody, folks. Bring them to Jesus and open them up to truth like they've never known. See, Andrew had this great desire for his brother Simon. Andrew wanted his brother to hear what Jesus said to him in that afternoon that he and John had spent with him. And I imagine Jesus said something that was so life-changing to those two guys, and it was Andrew's heart that his brother, he began at home, had the same thing. He said, I gotta tell my brother. And here's the great part about this deal. See, all you have to do is invite them, and God has to do the rest. You gotta get them into the presence of the word. Listen, folks, I'll tell you what. Unless somebody says, come, unless you bring them to Jesus, two things. Number one, they will never hear, listen, they will never hear that sin has a cost, that he paid the cost. And there's forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus Christ. And if they don't hear that word of God and digest it and take it into their hearts, 
they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And you've got to believe that. They've got to hear that message. And here's the second deal. So many of these people in our lives are so tied to the here and now, and they live this philosophy of life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul writes in verse 32, they live this, he said, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That goes back to Psalm 17. Oh, Lord, by your hand, save me from such men, from such men of this world whose reward is in this life. And, and man, you, you just hang out with a bunch of folk like that. Let's eat, let's drink. Some people add and be merry. For tomorrow we die. And they don't have to live their life like that. There is so much more. And here's the deal. This is not difficult. All you and I have to do is say, come. We've got, you've you got to get them in the atmosphere of the word. We've got all this Bible stuff, all this good Bible stuff starting. You've got to get them in the word. You've got to raise the issue of Jesus Christ. Just put that seed in their heart. Invite them to a Bible. I don't care what you do. All you have to do is say, come. Here's the deal. God has to do the rest. You've got to say, come. You've got to bring them. God has to do the rest. It is not up to you. It's not up to me to convert that person. That involves a change of heart, and, and, and I can't change hearts. And you can't change another person's heart. What you have to do is say, come, and you've done your part, and the rest is up to God. And that's so beautiful. Because if I thought for a second that I had to bring about changes in you that it were up to me, I'd be frustrated beyond belief. Will you let go of that? You let go of saying, I've got to convert this person. That's God's business. You got to say, come, and you got to bring them to Jesus. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.